Well, I'm thankful to be here this morning. Um, I feel like that I tell your pastor no more than any other preacher. And I don't mean to do that. I'm surprised he still asks me. I, I've been to the men's prayer meeting, um, I think it's the first Friday night of every month, once or twice, but it's been a while back. And he keeps inviting me. And for some reason, I'm always doing something, or I have been, or never been able to come for, it's been a long time since I've been. And so I told him, I said, thank you. I told him, I said, uh, keep reminding me, because I'm going to try to come uh, to several of them. And then he's asked me, to, he asked me to preach and fill in one time, and I had to tell him no. And then he asked me to come today, so I'm glad I was able to finally tell him yes. And I had to open Sunday school at my church this morning, and then drove up here real quick. But I'm thankful uh, to be here, and uh, thankful for what's already been done in the service, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to show us out of his word. Let's look in the book of Job this morning, the book of Job chapter number one, and then we'll also read a few verses maybe out of chapter number two. The book of Job, I think that most of the time as Christians, I feel like that most Christians, if you were to ask them if they knew what happened in the book of Job, most of us would think that we know the book of Job. But usually what we know about Job is actually very limited to what goes on in the book of Job for the most part, because most of the time we only know what happens in chapter 1, chapter 2, maybe chapter 3, and then we know what happens in the last chapter of the book of Job, chapter 42, I believe it is. And we don't know a lot about what goes on in the rest of the book. And I'm afraid that sometimes we think that we're more familiar with our Bibles than what we actually are, and the passages that are familiar, we don't know them as good as we think we do. And so it's good to be reminded, it's good to take another look at these familiar stories, these familiar things, and look at them again and allow God to speak to our hearts and show us fresh things from the Word of God because you'll never know everything in it. You can read it a thousand times and God will still be able to show you something out of it that you've never seen before. And so I've been looking some at the book of Job. Um, I'm, these are a few, a few new messages, a few new thoughts that I've been thinking about recently and this is one that I was thinking about yesterday, and I haven't got to preach it yet. And so I was thankful that uh, Pastor Stamper asked me to come preach this morning to be able to look at this message this morning. Let's look in the book of Job, chapter number 1. And let's, read, let's begin reading in verse number 13 to get some of what the context is saying. Job, chapter number 1, and beginning in verse number 13. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what thus saith the Lord. Job, chapter 1, verse number 13, the Bible says... And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands, and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, 
there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord giveth, the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Then look over in chapter 2, verse number 9. Now Job has been smitten with boils. And in verse number 9 of chapter 2, the Bible said, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Let's go to God in prayer and ask him to help us with the message. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. Thank you for all that you've done for us. I pray, God, that you'd help us this morning as we look into your word. God, that you'd speak great truths to our hearts and that you'd show us that which you'd have for us to get. Thank you once again for all that you've done for us and for all of your blessings. For it's in Jesus' precious and wonderful holy name I do pray. Amen. I want to preach this morning on faithful to the Father. Now here in this text, Job, we read about Job, a man who was from the land of Uz. The Bible says that he was a perfect man and he was an upright man. That he was a man that feared God and eschewed evil. Job was described as the greatest man of all the East. He had seven sons and three daughters. He had 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels. He had 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses. So Job was a great man. He was a perfect man. He was upright. He was good in the sight of God. But there was a day we read about in chapter number 1 where the, the, the devil, Satan, came and he stood before God. And the Bible says that God, the Lord, said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. So God told Satan about Job, and God allowed Satan to take from Job all that he had. Job lost everything. He lost all of his sheep, all of his camels, all of his yoke of oxen and asses. He lost all of his children. They all were taken away from him, and he lost most of his servants. Only four escaped to come back and tell Job what had happened. And to top it all off, he not only lost all of that, but he also lost all of it in one day. And he found out about all of it all at the same time. While one was speaking, the next servant came to tell him what else he'd lost. And then the next one came, and then the next one came and told Job that he had lost it all. It had all been taken away from him. It was all gone. But through all of this, while Job had lost everything... To top it all off, the devil then took away his health from him and he was smitten with boils from head to toe. And he lost his health. Yet Job, while he was facing the greatest trial of his life, Job still trusted God through his trial and he was still faithful to the Father. Despite all that had happened to him, despite everything that had went on, all the stuff that he had lost, everything that he was going through, yet Job was still faithful to the Father. He stayed faithful to God. Amen. Let's notice a few things about this text this morning. First of all, I noticed that Job was living for God 
And God observed that in Job's life. God took knowledge of how Job lived. Let me just say this morning that it matters to God how you live your life. It matters how you live. It matters if you're living for God or not. God knows everything about you. He's the omniscient God. He can see all things. He knows all things. And so God knows everything about you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're doing. He knows everything that you would have done if you could have done it. He knows everything that you thought about doing. He knows everything there is to know about you. And God is observing how you're living your life. So it matters to God how you live your life. And I wonder, when God looks at your life, and when God looks at my life, what does he see? What would God say about you when he looks at your life? Are you living for God, or does God find fault with you? When God looks at my life, I want, to see, I want God to see in my life a man who is like Job. I want to be a man who is perfect and upright, who's living for God, and who's striving to do what God would have for me to do. God was observing Job's life. But then another thing that I noticed, God knew this about Job, that Job was faithful and that he truly loved God. Job was real and God knew it. Job was who he was made out to be, who he was uh, putting putting on that he was. He was real. He wasn't fake. He wasn't putting on a show. He wasn't a hypocrite. He was real and God knew it. God knew that Job's faithfulness was not a result of his wealth and of his possessions, as the devil claimed. But instead, his faithfulness was the, brought on and gave that fruit that God was able to bless his life because he was faithful. All of the blessings were in his life because Job had made a choice to live for God. Job, though, was not putting on a show to make people think that he loved God. He really did. I wonder, in our life, do we really love God? Are we really faithful to God? Are we who we claim we are? Are we who people think that we are? Job wanted to live for God and he was doing it. Is your faith and love for God real? Or is the only reason why that you come to church, the only reason why you do the things that you do is to put on a show to deceive others to make them think that you're somebody that you're not? I don't want to be like that in my life. I want to be real. I want to be true to God. I want to be faithful. I want what people see in me, I want that to be who I really am. And I want to live for God. I want to be faithful to the Father. I want to really love God. I want to really be faithful to God. I want to be faithful to Him. But then, another thing that I noticed, Job was living for God, and it was God who brought up Job to the devil. Not the other way around. It wasn't Satan that came before God and told God about Job. No, it was God who, when he was talking to Satan, brought up Job's name and brought up Job's life and asked Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Satan, it appears that he knew all about Job because he told God, you hedged him about, you put a hedge about him, and he said it's only because of the blessings of God in his life, that's the only reason why he lives for you, why he lives the way that he does. But it was God who brought up Job to Satan. Satan didn't want to bring up Job to God because Satan couldn't have what, didn't have anything to accuse him of. As far as Satan knew, Job was living the perfect life. 
he was living for God. So Satan didn't want to bring up Job's name because he, couldn't, he was not able to get to him. There was no accusation that he could bring against Job to God. So if it was up to Satan, I believe that Satan would have chosen to remain silent of the matter and not to have brought up Job's name. But God brought up Job to Satan and said, Have you considered my servant Job? He said that there's none like him in all the earth. He said he's a perfect and an upright man. He, he, he fears God. And he lives for God. Satan, though, didn't want to bring up Job because he had nothing to accuse him of. So instead, Satan had to accuse God. And he said, it's only because you've hedged his life. Around, you've put that hedge around his life. It's only because of the blessings of God. That's the only reason why Job serves you. So he accused God because he had nothing to accuse Job of. So God decided to show Satan that Job's faith was real. The Bible said in chapter 1, verse number 12, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. And upon himself, only upon himself, put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Satan thought, if I take away every, all the blessings of God in Job's life, then, God, then Job will, tr- will curse God. Once he loses everything, Job won't keep living right. But what happened when Job lost it all was that he maintained his faithfulness. He remained faithful to the Father. He didn't change. He stayed the same as what he'd always been. He just kept going, kept doing the things that he'd always done. God was confident that Job would trust him even in a tragedy, even in a trial that he was going through. Even when trouble came against him, God was confident that Job would still trust him. God knew that Job would remain faithful no matter what came into his life. Someone might ask the question, and it's a question that's been asked all down through the ages of time, why did God take away the hedge from around Job? Why did he allow the devil to come against Job? And I don't know all the answers to all of those questions. I don't know why God allowed the devil to to come against Job and why he sometimes allows the devil to uh, come against the people of God. But I take comfort in the fact in knowing that until God allowed Satan to come against Job, he was not able to. He wasn't able to get to Job until God took away the hedge and allowed the devil to come into his life. And that should be a comfort in all of our lives that nothing can come against us as the children of God unless God allows it to. God's got to make the choice to allow that to come into our life. That means that if you're living for God and you're uh, trying your best to live for God and that the devil does come against you, we can always remember that God has to have allowed this and God has to have a plan or a purpose in allowing this. And here's what I know about this. I don't know everything about it, but here's what I do know. Job's trial was never about him. It was all about God. Job's trial was for the purpose of glorifying God, of validating God in the eyes of Satan. That's what Job's trial was for. And so... Child of God, the trial that you're going through, though it seems so awful, the trouble that you're facing, the temptation that might have, might have come against you, and all of those things that are in your life, and they might have broken you, and they might have left you feeling low, and you might be wondering how you're going to deal with it. You might be trying to figure out how you're going to face whatever's come against you. But remember that whatever's in your life, that trial that you're facing, it might not even be for you. It might be for, to glorify God. 
That's why Job's trial came into his life. Then I also know this, Job's trial, though not really about him, not really for him, not really about him, yet God worked through that trial to make Job a better man than what he had been before. He learned some things by going through the trial that he would have never learned had it not been for that rough time in his life that he went through. Job's faith was tested, but it was strengthened through the trial, and he came forth a better man than what he was before he went through the trial. And so there's sometimes in our life where we go through trials, we go through testings of our faith, we go through things and rough patches of life, and yet though they might not be for us, God is able to teach us some things through those trials to make us better Christians, to make us better for the service of God than what we would have been had we never went through those things. God's able to do some things through the hard times of life, even if we might not like going through that trial. I'm thankful for Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where the Bible said, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So we can trust that God's going to work all things for our good. I'm glad that God loves us too much to do us wrong. God wants what's best for us, and He's going to give us what's best for us if we'll just allow Him to. So that trial that we're going through, that testing of your faith, it may make your faith seem insignificant. It may make you think that your faith is too small, that your, that your trial might have shaken your faith to the point where you're not even sure if you're going to make it through. You're not sure how you're going to get through that trial that you're going through, but if you'll allow it, God can work through your trial to make you better than what you were before. God might be wanting to reveal something to you about himself that you would never see had it not been you going through that trial. I look back at trials that I went through in my life, specifically one hard time that I went through in my life about seven years ago, and I look back, and now when I look back at it, it doesn't seem that dark valley like it seemed like it was when I went through it then. When I was going through it then, it was the lowest place I'd ever been. I thought it was the worst time in my life. I couldn't believe what I was going through. I couldn't understand why I was having to go through all of those things. But now looking back on it, it's not really a valley anymore. That's all, it's almost turned into a mountaintop in my life because that's the time where I have got close to God. That's the time where God did a work in my life and God showed me some things about Him that I've never gotten over. I've, I've realized that that valley, though it, seemed, though it was so low then when I was going through it, now I see where God taught me so many things through that valley and He brought me through those things and now I know some things about God and I know some things about myself that I might never have figured out had it not been that I had went through and walked through that valley. And so God was going to do some things in Job's life through this trial. God revealed some things to Job through his trial. Even though Job's trial tested his faith, it strengthened his faith. And someone has said, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And if you can't have your faith tested, you shouldn't put any confidence in your faith. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. If your faith is real, it will not fail. It may falter. It may grow weak. It may flicker. But the flame will never go out if your faith is real. It will always be there. It will always remain. And, if, and through that trial, God might be strengthening your faith. I thought about how 
when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross and he was talking to Peter and he told Peter, the Bible says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan was desiring to get at Peter. Just like I believe Satan had a desire to get at Job, but he couldn't because the hedge was about him. And here, Satan desired to get to Peter. He had that desire, the Bible said, that he may sift you as wheat. But Jesus said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Peter's faith was tested that night. And it almost seemed to fail. It was stressed. It flickered. But through his temptation and trial, he was strengthened and his faith grew. And God used him to strengthen the brethren and do a great work for God. All because he had to go through that trial, that hard place in his life. So I want to look at four things this morning very quickly about Job. And what happened to Job and Job's reaction to what came into his life. You might not be able to control all the things that come into your life. There will be some things you won't be able to control that you'll have no control over. But you can control how you react to the things that come into your life. Your reaction is controllable. And God help us because people are watching us. The world's looking at us. The church is looking at us. Fellow, the brethren are looking at us. They're looking to see how you react when trouble and trials come into your life. And God help us to react like Job reacted and to maintain our faithfulness, to be faithful to the Father, even through the midst of a trial that we're going through. So I want to look at four things this morning. First of all, I want to notice that Job didn't commit sin during his trial. Look in chapter 1, verse number 22. This is the verse that, I, that God has been ministering to my heart with. Chapter 1, verse 22, in all this, the Bible said, Job sinned not. I find that that's a remarkable statement. I found by experience in my own life that oftentimes it's in the lowest points of life when you're walking through the valley, that's when it seems like it's the easiest to fall into temptation if you're not careful. To fall to sin if you're not careful. When you're weak, and your trial is great, and you're being tested, that's when, if you're not careful, you'll stumble and fall into sin. And we could look at many examples in the Bible to prove that to be the case, to prove that to be true. All the times in the Bible where we read about how a famine came into the land of Canaan, and during that hard time, that's when they went down to Egypt. Or that's when they went down to Moab. Or that's when they, they failed to trust God was during that hard time that they were going through about David, how that David was in a low place in his life when he committed the sin with Bathsheba. So many other examples that you could look at, but when hard times come, if you're not careful, that's when you'll give in to sin because you're weak. Even Satan tried to tempt the Lord after the Lord had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and when he was at his weakest point. That's when Satan came against him and tried to tempt him, tried to make him fall. And of course, the Lord could not sin because he had no sin nature. But that's when the devil attempted to get the Lord to sin, to get the Lord to fall. But here, Job is at his weakest point. He's just, just heard the news that he's lost everything. And yet, the Bible said, in all this, Job sinned not. He didn't commit sin. 
he stayed faithful to the Father. It was not sin that brought this trial into Job's life. Though his friends accused him of having some hidden sin in his life, yet that was not the case. And so, this was not punishment for sin. Let me say, don't always assume when something happens to somebody else, when you see them going through a tragedy or a trial, don't always assume that it's chastisement for sin. It might not be. Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we'll have the misconception that bad things only come into the lives of people that are wicked or people that are sinful. But in fact, the opposite is true. Most of the time, the more faithful a person is, the more a person is striving to live for God, oftentimes they face the hardest trials and tragedies and troubles in their life. They're going to face the hardest times. That's often the case. So don't assume that just because somebody's going through a trial, that it's, because, it's a result that they've had some sin in their life. That's where Job's friends erred. That's where they messed up. Because they assumed that Job had a hidden sin in his life. But Job didn't sin before the trial came to bring that trial into his life. And Job, what's more remarkable, is that he didn't sin after that trial came into his life. In all this, Job sinned not, the Bible said. He didn't sin through his trial. But then secondly, I want to look at Job not only didn't sin, he didn't curse God. He's lost everything. Now in chapter number 2, Satan said, well, he still didn't curse God, so it must be skin for skin. Job must only care about himself. He said, if you take away his health, he'll curse you to your face. And so that's that's what Satan did. He afflicted him. He smote him with boils from head to toe. And Job, yet he still did not sin, and he still refused to curse God. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? How long will you retain your integrity? And yet Job refused to curse the Lord. He said, if I'll receive good at the hand of God, I'll also receive whatever trouble, whatever trials God sees fit to send to my life. He said, because I'm just going to trust God that God is faithful. And Job kept his faithfulness. He stayed faithful to the Father. He refused to curse God. I don't ever want to have any cursing come out of my mouth. I don't want there to be any curse words. I don't want to curse at all. I want to be, as the book of James talks about, there ought not to be both cursing and blessing coming from the same mouth. I want to only have good things come from my mouth. You know why why so many people have such a problem with cursing? Because they're cursed. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So what they speak from their mouth shows what's the condition of their heart. And they're still under the condemnation of sin, and so they spew forth cursings out of that fountain, out of that tongue, that little member. They don't know how to control it because they're cursed. And so they curse. And I don't ever want to have any cursings come out of my mouth. As far as I know... I don't, I've never used a curse word as a curse, to curse. Now, I've used some bywords and some words that I used in place of those in times gone by, and I'm still trying to, try to be very careful to keep from those words coming out of my mouth because I want only good things, only blessings to come forth out of my mouth. I want to bless the Lord and have only blessings to come forth. I want to control the tongue. But I don't ever want to curse. But, if, but God forbid, if, if, 
not only do I not want to curse, but I definitely don't ever want to curse God. Even if it doesn't come forth out of my mouth, I don't ever want to even think it in my mind to curse the Lord. Who would I be to curse God? Job had lost everything. He'd been smitten with boils, yet he still refused to curse God. So many people curse God. They'll curse the Lord. They'll use His name in vain. They'll say all manner of things against God. And I don't want that ever to be the case in my life. I don't want to curse God. Job refused to sin in his trial. And then, even more remarkable, he didn't even curse God through his trial. He refused to do it. He maintained his integrity before God. And then, thirdly, this morning, Job did not charge God foolishly. Job not only did not sin through his trial, he didn't curse God, he didn't even charge God. Chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible said, Nor charged God foolishly. He did not even accuse God of any wrongdoing, even though everything had been taken away from him. How guilty I am in my life of sometimes charging God when things don't go like I want them to. I don't know about you, but I know that in my life I've had to repent before because I found myself accusing God, bringing accusations against God, charging God foolishly for something that could come into my life that I didn't want to be there. And I've had to repent because of that. I've been guilty of charging God, of blaming God for my condition and telling God it was His fault that this was coming to my life. Why me? And I'm sure that we all get that honest because that's what happened at the very beginning back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Whenever they fell into sin, when God came in the cool of the day and He called to Adam, Adam, where art thou? And Adam told God that he hid himself because he was naked. And God said, have you ate of the tree that I told you not to eat of? And I'm just paraphrasing. But the Bible said the man said after he had admitted that he had sinned, he tried to cover himself. He knew that he had messed up. He knew that he'd fallen into sin. Then, But what he did was he immediately said to God, the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Then God turned and the Bible said, and the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. So Adam, when God said, what have you done? He said, it was the woman. It was her fault. Then he said, he not only blamed Eve, he said, the woman whom thou gavest me. He charged God. He said, God, if you hadn't given me this woman, this never would have happened. And he charged God. Then God turned to the woman and she said, it wasn't me, it was the serpent. The serpent beguiled me. And she tried to place the blame on someone else. And so often that, that could be the case in our life if we're not careful because we get it honest from our parents, from Adam and Eve. That's exactly what they tried to do when a tragedy took place in their life and something happened in their life that they didn't want to happen. Now they tried to blame one another. They tried to blame the serpent. And Adam even tried to blame God. And I don't want to ever charge God. I don't want to blame God when I'm going through something that I don't want to be going through. What are we going to do when we charge God? God has never been wrong. He's always right. 
That's why the Bible said he didn't charge God foolishly because it would be a foolish thing to accuse God of anything. Accuse God of any wrongdoing. He's never been wrong, nor will he ever be wrong. I don't want to accuse God of anything. But yet so often we find ourselves saying, and I find myself saying, God, it's your fault that this has come into my life. Why did you not stop this? Why did you allow this trial to come into my life? God, you must have made a mistake. How can this be happening? Why must I go through this? It's all your fault, God. And if we're not careful, that's what will enter into our mind. And yet Job, through all of this, he sinned not. He refused to curse God. And he also refused to charge God foolishly. He didn't even accuse God. He just took what came into his life and said, I'm just going to remain the same. And he trusted God through the trial that he was going through. And he was faithful to the Father. He kept right on doing what he'd always done. Fourthly, he refused to sin. He refused to curse God. He refused to charge God foolishly. And the last thing that I want to look at this morning very quickly is Job commended God. He continued to do what he'd always done. The Bible said in verse number 20 that then, after he'd heard all the things that had happened, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. That's a natural reaction. That's, there's some that would tell you you're, that as a Christian you're never to feel sorrow, you're never to get upset over anything, but that's not the case. And Job had a natural reaction to everything that he had heard. He rent his clothes, he fell upon the ground, sorrowing over what he'd heard. But then look what the Bible said after the comma, and worshipped. That's not necessarily a natural reaction. That's remarkable that Job worshipped. And he said at the end of verse 21, Blessed be the name of the Lord. He blessed the Lord even when everything had happened to him. He continued to praise God. You know, it's easy to praise God when things are going great. When you're on the mountaintop, then it's a whole lot easier to shout. But we need to shout when we're going through the valleys of life. Somebody said, well, you should shout on credit whenever things don't feel right. Well, you'll never be able to get to the point where you can shout on credit. You ought to just shout because God is who he, who he said he is. He is who he's always been. He's never going to change. God is faithful through all things. And we ought to be faithful to the Father through all things. We ought never to stop shouting, to stop praising the Lord, to stop worshiping him just for the simple fact that he's worthy. God is still good, He's always been good, He always will be good, and right now He's good no matter what you're going through in your life. And so He's worthy to be praised and to worship God and to bless the name of the Lord no matter what you're going through in your life. But it's easy to shout the victory on the mountaintop, but we need to praise God even in the valley. You say, I don't have anything to praise God for, just praise Him because of who He is. Praise Him for all the things that He did for you in the past. That's, that's enough. What he, if He never did any, any good thing for me again, just what He's already done for me would be enough to praise Him for all of eternity. Whether things are going good or bad, I want to bless the Lord at all times. I thought about several verses, Psalms 103, verse number 1, where the Bible said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Psalms 9, 1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. 
I will shew forth all thy marvelous works. Psalms 34.1 said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalms 86 verse 12, the Bible said, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. Job praised God even when his trial was upon him. The Bible said he worshipped, and he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was faithful to the Father even when he was going through that great trial of his life. Through, this, through all that Job went through, yet he sinned not. He refused to curse God. He refused to even charge God, to accuse God of any wrongdoing. And he accepted what God had brought into his life and said, God must be working this out for his good. This must be for God. That just shows Job was not living for himself. He was living for God the whole time. He was not living for God because of the blessings in his life. The blessings of God had come into his life because Job was real. He was living for God no matter what the outward results and the outward circumstances seemed to be. Job had something in his heart and in his soul. and He purposed that he was going to live for God. And he maintained his faithfulness. He was faithful through his trial. I, I heard this song maybe a year or two ago. And the, it's ministered to my heart over the last year or so. But uh, I just forgot the title for some reason. But uh, the song says, I will bless his name. I guess this is the title. And I, lo- I love the line in that song in the second verse where the, where the song says, So come what may. I will bless his name. And let that always be what we would say in our life. Let come what may. It doesn't matter what comes into our life. Let me always say, I will bless his name. I'll continually praise the Lord just because he's worthy. And I want to be like Job. No matter what comes into my life, I don't ever want to sin against God. I don't want there to be sin in my life. I don't want to curse God ever. I don't want to charge God foolishly. I just want to continue to praise his name and to thank him for all that he's done because he's worthy of all the praise and the honor and the glory that we could give him. He's the God of heaven. He's worthy of all the praise that we could give him. And I want to be just as Job was and learn something from Job. And when things come into my life, I want to recognize that God must be working this for my good and I'm going to be faithful to him just as Job was by the help and the grace of God and say, I'm going to trust God through this trial that's come into my life. I want to be faithful to the Father in all things. That's what Job was. He was faithful to the Father. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. Thank you for the time that you've given us to look into your word. Father, I pray that you would take this message, Lord, though it was simple. Lord, it's what you laid on my heart, Lord, this week. Lord, it's what you gave me. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to learn something from Job and, God, to to continually praise your name no matter what may come into our life no matter what circumstances we may be facing no matter what trial we may be going through god i pray that you would help us lord to always praise your name because lord you're worthy lord you have a name that's above every name i pray god that you'd help us to bow humbly in your presence and to always give you the praise the honor and the glory that you deserve and to praise you lord in all times and for all things thank you lord for your goodness towards us thank you for being so good to us And I pray, God, that you would just help us, Lord, in everything that we do. Help us, Lord, to be as Job was and to always be faithful unto you. Thank you, Lord, once again for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you for being so good to us. 
I pray, God, that you would bless Mountain Valley Baptist Church. God, that you would bless each and every one that it takes to make it up. I pray for a special blessing upon each one. God, that you continually, continually uh, work here in their midst. I pray, God, also for Pastor Stamper and for his family. I pray, God, that you'd bless them today as they're away. I pray that you'd help them, that you'd be with them in everything that they do. Thank you once again, Lord, for all of your blessings in our lives and for being so good to us, Lord. And, Lord, once again, we say we praise you and we thank you. And we bless your holy name for all that you've done and for who you are. I love you, Lord. And I thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you for being so good to us. For it's in Jesus' precious and wonderful holy name I do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.